Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Starting off a brand new series this week, it's called Me and My Big Mouth, <laughs> right? <laughs> It's going to be really interesting, <laughs> right? Some of you can identify with it already. <laughs> but, you know, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And words are such amazing things. They are, they are vehicles to carry emotion, to carry our thoughts, our ideas. Words are powerful they actually shape people. They shape people's worlds. They shape people's environments. They shape our thinking and how we do things in this world. You know, at our leadership meetings, I'm constantly telling our leaders, language is important because the words we speak are so important. Words matter, right? Words matter so much in our world. Words have the power to give life and to take life. So, we're starting this new series and I'm challenging you not to miss out because it's going to help us in our words, it's going to help us in our thinking, it's going to help us in our living. So it's going to speak into our situations and I challenge you to really lean into this because if you do, it's going to help you in a really personal way. In fact, language is so important because language shapes behavior and then behavior shapes culture and then culture turns around and shapes language. And it's very secular, right? But it starts with language. The way we speak really defines ultimately the way we live. And if we speak the right way, we can live the right way. In fact, if you know anything about James, James is the brother of Jesus. It's amazing to think that Jesus had a brother, but yeah, his, his name was James. James talks about our tongue being so important that it can actually set the world on fire or it can direct a huge ship. He gives us an analogy and we'll talk about that as we come to that. But today I have a title for you and it's a bit interesting so hopefully you'll get it. This is what it is. Would you like some cheese with your wine? Alright? And if you notice the way the wine is spelled, it's not drinking wine. It's another type of wine. Right? Everyone identify with that. So I want to start off the series today with a problem of complaining. And another way to say complaining is to say a whiner or a whinger. So we whine, right? We complain about a lot of things in our world. We complain about the weather, right? We complain it's too hot, it's too cold. It seems like we can never get it right. We complain about the economy, we complain about other people, we complain about our family, we complain about our friends, we complain about how far it is to drive to work, how busy the traffic is, how busy the, the public transport is, how long it takes to stand in line to get our food. We complain about things. There's a whole endless list of things that we complain about on a regular basis. And it actually has become the real pandemic of our world is not COVID-19, it is complaining. Because we've all been affected with this disease of complaining. But let me start with telling you a true story. I'll tell you the story of a guy named Arthur Bunridge. 
And you say, who is Arthur Bunridge? Well, let me tell you who Arthur Bunridge is. Arthur Bunridge was a bank robber who approached a bank in Syracuse, New York, and asked the bank teller, or demanded the bank teller to give him $20,000. When he got home, he discovered that he was shortchanged, and he was so upset and outraged that he stormed back to the bank to tell them that he was shortchanged, and then he got arrested. <laughs> he went back to complain, and that's when he got arrested. Which, the moral of the story is, complaining can get you in trouble. And sometimes, it's not just getting arrested, but it actually changes the way we look on life. Our outlook on life is shaped by how we view our world. And oftentimes, what we complain about skews us in a negative way into thinking about the world in a very negative fashion. And unfortunately, as I said, we all do it. We all get gripes about something. We describe things in such a way that there's even a word that says we're venting our spleen. It's, we're so angry, we're literally losing ourselves. Such is the world today, that we whine, we complain, we stress about all things. Why does this always happen to me? Right? Why can't I ever find a parking spot close to the entrance? Why am I always like such a far distance away? Why is the earth so muddy? <laughs> things that we can't control. But when I think about complaining in the scriptures, I look into one of the most interesting aspects. And you know, whiners come in different shapes and sizes. Doesn't matter if you're young or old. Doesn't matter if you're in bondage or free, as we can see today. And the reason I'm talking about that is because we have the Israelites who lived in Egypt, and they became world-class complainers. If you don't know the story, what that it was is Joseph had brought in his family into Egypt, and they lived there a very long time. And eventually, the Egyptians put them into slavery, and they were enslaved for a very long time. And they cried unto God and said, God, we want to be free. We don't want to be in this condition. And they kind of complained to God over and over and over again. And so finally, God freed them. He sent 10 plagues into Egypt to, to kind of convince Pharaoh to let his people go. And he brought them out by some miraculous means. He parted the Red Sea. You know, he did some awesome things. He brought down fire from heaven and Pharaoh's army got drowned as they tried to pursue and, and overtake them and kill them. God fed them with manna from heaven. This was heavenly food that came down out of heaven to feed his people. You know, he made a water come out of rock and he gave them out of water when they were thirsty. And their clothes, their clothes never actually got old. That was amazing. Imagine that, right? You'd want some kind of clothes like that. You'd go to that shop and say, for 40 years, your clothes don't wear out. That's awesome. Would you like that outfit? I sure would. Maybe it would be out of style, but hey, it still looks good. But for 40 years, their clothes did not wear out. But you know what they did? As they complained, complained, complained on this 40-year journey. They complained about everything. Where they were, the food they ate, what was going on, everything. And you would think, hold on. Weren't you guys just a little bit upset of where you were? But no, they didn't get it. 
You see, oftentimes, a lot of times, we don't see the benefits of what is going on in our world. We just look at the reasons to complain. If you look into the scripture, this is what happened to these people. It says here, Then they said to Moses, Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? And I'm thinking, hello, didn't you just complain that you didn't want to be slaves in Egypt? You wanted to be free? And now you're free and you're saying, why did you bring us out here to die? We want to go back to Egypt. You were slaves. Did you forget what happened to you when you were in Egypt? Did that whole process of working from morning to night just disappear from your mind? They crowded to God for years to deliver them. And when they were delivered, they complained about it. Continuing on. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I would rather die as a slave than die as a free person. I'd rather work from morning to night serving someone else at their beck and call than to come out here and be free. That's what they complained about. They wanted to go back and be in slavery. What kind of mentality is that? Moses replies to them and he says this, you're not actually grumbling against us, but his leadership, but against the Lord. That's what he says them in Exodus 16, verse 8. You're not grumbling against us, but you're actually grumbling against the Lord. Here's a thought. So maybe when we complain, we're not complaining about the stuff in our world. We're actually complaining about who God is and what He's done for us. We're not complaining about it's so long to stand in line because I need to get my burger and I'm really hungry. When there's people across the world that might not have something to eat. There's people in the world that don't know where their next meal is coming from. We in our world always know where our next meal is coming from. We get a variety of choices. So maybe when we're complaining, we're actually complaining not against our circumstance, but against God and what He's doing in our world. Some of you might feel guilty about that thought. Some of you might say, well, that's not really the case. But we do. We complain about other people's bad driving, other, people, other people's misbehaved kids. We complain about the out of donuts when you want fresh donuts. The music is too loud. The music is too soft. They didn't play my favorite tune on the radio. They didn't play the best song in church. We just came out of this great service, but I'm going to talk about how great it wasn't. So question for you. What in your life do you complain about the most? Think about it for a second. What in your world do you complain about the most? I'm going to be transparent with you and tell you what I complain about. I complain about my schedule a lot sometimes. 
because I'm like, oh, I'm too busy. Sometimes I have to do this and I have to go here and I have to do that. And especially when it comes to things that I don't like doing, like I have to do some accounting. I hate accounting. I despise accounting. Did I tell you I hate accounting? I hate accounting. And I complain about it. Because sometimes we complain about stuff. That's the nature of who we are. Some say, well, I wish I was married, but I'm not married, you know. I wish I could do this, but I'm not able to do this. I'm complaining about my meetings, my bosses, my house is too small, my house is too far, my money is tight, I can't do this, I can't get the big screen TV, people are always boring, Facebook is boring, Instagram has nothing good to look at, Netflix has nothing good to watch, weather is so bad, it's raining right now, I wish it was sunny, it's too cold, there's nothing going on, the Wi-Fi is too slow. Familiar thoughts, right? See, the problem isn't the weather. It isn't the speed of the Wi-Fi. It isn't a lack of good shows on Netflix for you to binge watch. The problem is we've taken our eyes off the goodness of God and put it on ourselves. That's what's really happened. We've taken our view, we've shifted our view from God's goodness, His provision for what He's done in our world and placed it on ourselves. Like, I need this, I want this. I require this. That is a problem. That's the problem that leads to this constant complaining mentality. When we make ourselves the focus of our world. Paul, who was a great apostle, who had such marvelous things and insightful things to tell us on his journey of life. He's one of the most interesting men I find in scripture apart from Jesus. That's in the New Testament. He has such great wisdom to offer. And here's a text that Paul writes. And if anyone can complain, I think Paul would have the right to complain. Because he dreamed of going out and being this great man for God. He wanted to go out and preach about Jesus Christ to all the places that he could possibly go to and spread this good news that he had experienced himself in his life because he had experienced the redemption of a great savior he was lost and he was doing things out of religious motives but he had an encounter with the risen christ and it's changed his perspective and he wanted to go everywhere and explain how marvelous jesus was that jesus could transform your life transform your world change the way you think and actually give you a lasting experience of joy and hope in your world that's what he dreamed of doing he wanted to tell everyone what he had experienced in his life but what happened to paul was that he got arrested and thrown into a roman prison and he was there for two years chained to Roman soldiers. So if anyone had the right to complain, he would be him. He'd be like, God, this isn't fair. I want to do something for you. I want to go out there and do this marvelous work. I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to do good things. I'm trying to change the world. It's not fair that I'm locked up in a prison. I'm serving you. But I'm lying on this hard, cold floor. I've tried to do good for you, but the food here sucks. My back aches. These Roman soldiers, they haven't bathed in days. They have a bit of a bad smell. I'm chained to them. Maybe invent deodorant a few years earlier. I don't know. Do something. 
instead of finding reasons to complain, this is what he wrote to the church in Philippi. While, I remind you, he was a prisoner chained to Roman guards. This is what he says. This is for all of us. Pay close attention, right? This is amazing. He says this. Do everything without grumbling or complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Do everything without complaining. Do everything without grumbling. Do everything without arguing. How much of a contrast is that in our world? How much of a slap in the face is that to us? Do we live our lives according to Paul's witness, example, and words? Did he complain? He did not. And he had the right to. You know, more than it being a spiritual concern, there's many spiritual reasons why we should not complain. But there's also so many practical, real-life examples of why we shouldn't. There's a guy, a doctor named Travis Bradbury, and he's done a lot of research into what happens when we complain. You know, they kind of do research for everything these days. How long a matchstick is, you give funds for research there. But anyway, I regress. <laughs> Come back to what a Dr. Bradbury is saying, and this is what he says. People who complain and whine a lot, their brain gets hardwired to do more complaining. Because it's a path, it's setting neurons in your brain to reconfigure your brain to think that way. When you talk about complaining a lot, your natural instinct after a while is to become a complainer. That's what happens you start thinking that way because your brain becomes hardwired to think that way. After a while, we find it easier to be negative than positive. We form a negative outlook on life that becomes a default view. That's how we constantly think. And I talked to you about this a few weeks ago about confirmation bias. That's what happens. We actually look for bad things in our life and we look for bad things, we find bad things. Because that's what we're looking for. We have this negative view in life. See, the Israelites were negative when they were in captivity and when they became physically free, their mindset did not change. Their negative mindset did not match their physical condition. They were physically free, but they were still trapped in their mind. They were out there not doing what they did when they were in prison and captivity as slaves. They were free to do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, but they were still thinking like they were negative mindsets because that was the pattern of their thinking. And so when we start thinking negatively, we become patterns of negativity. Our mindset becomes a pattern of negativity. And that's what happens. Your environment might change, but your thinking won't. 
You might get a new job, you might get a new experience, you might get a new husband, you might get a new wife, a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend, but it's the way you think that will shape the way you live. Because it was a mental thing. And even though they were free physically, they were not free in their mind. They were thinking as slaves because that's what they thought of themselves, even though they were physically free. So instead of looking at where God was taking them, they were looking back at Egypt. Instead of looking at a land that God had promised them filled with milk and honey, they were looking back at onion soup and heavy labor. Think about that mentality, think about that choice. A place of freedom that is abundant, but I would rather go back and have onion soup and be whipped every day. What kind of mentality is that? It was a pattern of thinking. When God gave them heavenly food, they complained about it. When he gave them quail, they whined about it. They had a negative mind, and negative mind always finds negative things. I don't know about you, but I don't want to train my mind to keep thinking negatively. And I don't want you to keep thinking negatively in your world. Because the reality is that just because we won't, don't think negatively doesn't mean that there won't be any negative things. The reality is that we do have good things and bad things in our world. It's our decision on what we want to focus on. It's our choice. And Paul would advise you this, because this is coming from the great apostle. He says, if you can't change your circumstances... Do something about it. That's what Paul's advice would be. If you can't change your circumstances, do something about it. Last week, we talked about Nehemiah building the walls of Jerusalem. See, Nehemiah saw a problem. He saw a condition. He did not complain about it. He did not whine about it. He didn't go on a big rant about it. He did something about it. Maybe God's stirring your heart or showing you something negative in the world. Not so you can complain about it, but so something you can do something about it. You can make a change. You can do something. You can lift yourself up and make a change about something that you find negative in your world. It's this godly dissatisfaction that rises up in you that says, I don't like the way this is going. I don't like what's happening in my world. I don't like how this person is being treated. I'm going to do something about it. Not just sit there and complain about it. So Paul teaches us. And Paul's teaching, he would say this. If you can't change your circumstance, then change your perspective. If you can't change what's going on, around you then change the way you look at it if you can't change your circumstance change your perspective because again uh, you get to choose what you look at you get to choose how you perceive it and this is what he tells the philippian church and i love this what he's saying but even as i'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I remind you that Paul was in prison while he's writing this. He said, I'm being poured out 
like a drink offering, a sacrifice coming from your faith. He says, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should rejoice with me. Now some of you might not understand the circumstance, but Paul was a prisoner in Rome while he was writing this. But what does he mean when he says, I'm being poured out as a sacrifice? Am I poured out as a drink offering? This actually comes from a Greek word from the original text, and it's coming from this Greek called, called spendo. Spendo is what the priest did when they offered a sacrifice to God. It's called, they offer, they offer different kinds of sacrifices, right? So a drink offering or would be this. They would have something that would be sacrificed, you know, a lamb or a goat or whatever it may be on the altar. They were sacrificing and then they'll take some expensive liquid and they would pour it on this hot sacrifice. And you know what happens when you put liquid on a hot thing? It, what happens to it? It sizzles, it steams and it floats up. And that's what a sacrifice is, a drink sacrifice that would be poured on the expensive liquid expensive wine or expensive ointment or expensive incense will be poured on the sacrifice and it will be, be burnt up and become a mist that will flow up to heaven. And it's a sacrifice that goes into the holy nostrils of God, so to speak. And so Paul is saying this, and if you remember when Jesus walked into a room, there was a woman who came and anointed his feet with expensive ointment and used her hair to wipe his feet. That was a a drink offering so to speak he was she was pouring it on a sacrifice Jesus ultimately being the Lamb of God that was sacrificed to God and so when Paul says this, some people say well he's referring to his ultimate martyrdom but Paul is not referring to his martyrdom in fact the verb that he's using in that text is a very passive tense so he's saying I'm being poured out which means that my life right now in prison, I'm being poured out as a drink offering to God. I'm being poured out. My life has become that. My offering is not my death. My offering is my daily life, my ongoing life. And therefore, God calls us to be a living sacrifice. Because we have to be poured out every day to God. We're sacrificing our life because we're laying it down on the altar of God. And as we lay down our life, we become a holy incense to God. And the way we do that is that we live by following the ways, the works, and the words of Jesus. It's a daily activity. We're offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. And this is what worship is. Worship is not just coming here on Sunday and singing some songs. Worship is not just coming here and lifting your hands. That's not worship. But it's a daily activity, a daily lifestyle of being poured out. Poured out over God. Even as Paul was chained up to this Roman God day and night. This is what he's saying. My life is being poured out for you, God. My life is being poured out on the altar of sacrifice. And that's that word, speno. Rejoice because my life is being poured out for you. Rejoice with me because your faith is good and my faith is good. So as I'm being poured out, I'm offering a sacrifice to God. Rejoice with me. Your life is an offering. 
So in every circumstance, in every situation, we can give God praise. Even when there's things that are not good in our life, we can be grateful because we're shifting focus from ourselves and onto God. We're shifting it about, not about me, but about who He is and what He has already done in our life. We're not waiting for God to do something for us to give Him praise. We're looking and saying, God, you've already done all this stuff for me. I'm grateful for what you've done. And therefore my life becomes this penal. I'm pouring it out. I'm pouring it out for you. When we are self-focused, we are predisposed to complain. But when we are God-focused, we set our minds to give thanks. We actually become grateful. We develop this attitude of gratitude. Because we recognize that God has done so many good things in our life. More good things in our life than we have reasons to complain about. Little things that really bother us. We don't have to complain about them anymore. When we shift our focus to Him, we become grateful for all the things that He has done for us. How could Paul be in prison, chained to a Roman soldier and be grateful? How can he be chained up and say, rejoice with me? He's facing possible execution, but he says, rejoice. Let me tell you how. Paul had this attitude because Paul was not the center of his own story. Christ was. Christ was the center of Paul's story. And that's why what he said could be so amazing. And listen to this. It's just so powerful. This is what he says to the church in Philippi again. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. I'm actually here in chains being speno for Christ. I'm being poured out for Christ. They thought they would put me under lock and key and shut me up. But I'm in here actually being poured out for Christ. You think I am the prisoner, but you're the real prisoner. Because every eight hours, there was a new God that came in that had to be chained to Paul. And he couldn't go anywhere. So Paul had a new sermon every eight hours to preach to a new captive audience. I'm not the prisoner. You are. What a great perspective. What an amazing perspective. What others see as negativity, I am seeing as opportunity. I can't change my circumstances, but I can change my perspective. God works in all things to bring about His good. I just have to recognize the opportunity where I'm at. God still has a plan. No matter what it seems like, God still has a purpose. God still has his assignment. So whether I'm in prison, Paul says, whether I'm free, I'm being speno, I'm being poured out. And no, it doesn't matter if I'm being chained to this guy, I'm still going to preach to him. Amen. See, sometimes when we are up to thinking that God is not doing anything, God is actually up to doing something amazing. 
We might not see it, we might not understand it, but God, His purpose will come to pass. Paul was chained to this Roman God. So what are you chained to? Maybe you think this job is a dead-end job and I'm chained to it, I don't have a way out. I feel like I'm just forced in this position. Maybe that's what you're chained to and you're complaining about it. Maybe there's an opportunity there. Maybe it's a health issue that you've been facing that seems to be ongoing, ongoing, and you feel like you've been chained to this problem for a really long time and you can't get out. What is the opportunity there? To invite God to come in even closer, to lean on Him even further. Maybe it's a relationship challenge that you've been facing that you think this marriage, this relationship doesn't look like it's going anywhere. Well, here's an opportunity to get some counsel and get some wisdom in your life. Maybe it's a financial situation where you feel like you're out of funds. There's an opportunity there to learn how to manage money, to develop a budgetary plan. Learn something new so you can change your perspective. There's an opportunity in every circumstance. We just have to find it. If you can't change your negative circumstance, that you can change your perspective. Rather than complain about something you cannot change, change the way you see it. Amen. Change the way you look at it. You didn't get that job. Well, maybe you'll get something better. You're not married. Well, God's going to bring you the right person. You don't have to rush into it. Maybe you're financially strapped. Well, God's going to supernaturally provide, as we heard from what Arishma said today, an amazing testimony. Sometimes you're going through a difficult season. Well, that difficult season is going to help you lean on God more because you're going to pray a little bit harder. We all have those seasons in life. Every single one of us are not immune from the difficult seasons of life. All of us have ups and downs. All of us have successes and failures. But we learn more from our failures than we do from our successes. I can't do anything about this right now. But I choose to look at you, God. I can't change what I'm going through right now. But I'm inviting you in to come and walk with me even closer. I can't choose every circumstance in my life. But I can choose how to view it and look for an opportunity. And maybe your circumstance won't change. Maybe it just won't get different in a month or even a year. But this maybe you'll come out of it a bit stronger in your faith. Maybe you'll come out of it knowing that you can rely on God in difficult circumstances. Maybe your prayer life will get better. Maybe your faith will grow deeper. Maybe your life will change because you've changed and not the circumstances change. You've learned to rely on God through difficult seasons. I might see God doing something different in my heart rather than out there in the world. I might pray a little bit longer. I might read the scriptures a little bit deeper. My heart might become a little bit softer. I'm not focusing on what I have. I'm focusing on who God is. And therefore, I become thankful for what I have. Even if I'm being poured out. 
feels like I have nothing left in me. Sometimes God needs to pour out what we have before he can fill us with what he has for us. Because we love to fill ourselves up with stuff. But oftentimes we make wrong choices. But if I see a glimmer of God in the middle of it, I'm going to hold on to it. And even if I don't get out of the problem right now, I'll still praise God because I know he will take me out when it's the right time. Because I am not the center of my journey. Jesus is. And therefore, I begin to speak life speak into my circumstance and that's why the scripture says so amazingly speak to those things that are not as though they were i love the tense speak to the things that are not as though they were not will be but they were because there's power in our words there's power words shape our thinking so choose to stop complaining and start being thankful for what we do have David if you know about him as Paul is more the most exposed man in the New Testament David is perhaps the most exposed person in the Old Testament you see David's ups and downs you see his moral failures you see his successes you see all the stuff that goes on and most so you see into David's heart because you have the Psalms that express his inner feelings you don't just see what happens in his life you can hear his thoughts because that's what he expresses in the Psalms and this is what happened in David's life when when he went through a difficult season this is what he says in Psalm 103 let all that I am praise the Lord May I never forget the good things he had done for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. Fills my life with good things. And God has filled our life with good things. We just don't see it because we're too busy focusing on the negative things that we have to complain about. So let's stop whining, right? That title comes from an old saying we used to say, I don't know if you know it. Because when someone whines, they would say, would you like some cheese with your wine? <laughs> it's a little play. But oftentimes, that's what we do, right? We look at the negative things and we complain about it. When there's so many good things that David says that God has put into our life that we can be grateful for. And I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but life maybe has got a bit difficult for you and you found it easier and easier to complain about life and complain about the circumstances and complain about the situation and complain about everything that's going on in your world. The price of petrol, the price of food, all the stuff that sometimes seems to overwhelm us. But God wants to change your thinking this morning. He wants to change your perspective. He wants you to recognize all the good things that He's actually put into your life. And yes, that does not eliminate the bad problems. That doesn't magically make all the negative things disappear. But it helps us refocus our life on what 
is positive and what God has done for us and continues to do for us and helps us out of a negative mind frame and negative thinking and a pattern of negativity that will ingrain us into a negative way of life and lead us down a path that will ultimately not lead us to satisfaction and fulfillment. So change what you see, your perspective. And even if in this season, in this moment, in this time, you're being spent or you're being poured out, even if it feels like your tank's empty, change your perspective and give God some praise for what He has done in your life. I want to leave you with two questions today to help you practically put this in place. Question one, how can you change how you see what you're going through today? How can you change what you see in what you're going through today? How can you change your perspective? Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe your bank account isn't where it's supposed to be. Maybe you have relationship problems. But rather than looking at the negative, what's the opportunity that you can use in this season to help you through it? Because there's opportunity there. You can seek counsel. You can seek wisdom. You can seek help. You can pray a little bit more. You can come in and ask someone else to pray for you. You can invite something different into your world rather than just sit there and complain about something that you can't change. Make a difference. Make a change. So don't just sit here this morning and walk away because that's exactly what I'm talking about. How can you do something in your world? How can you change something? How can you change how you see what's going on? And number two, how can you stop complaining about what you cannot change and start looking for what you can change? Seems similar, but it's a little bit a subtle difference. How can you see God in your process? How can you see what God has done and what he will do. David said an amazing thing, you know, when he went up against Goliath. If you know the story, it's probably, even if you're not a Christ follower, everyone knows the story of David and Goliath. But when grown men and warriors were cowering in front of this giant, David didn't look at the size of the man, he looked at the size of his God. And he used the experience that God had already poured out in his life for perspective and for assurance. He said, when I was in the shepherd field, a lion and a bear came in at different times. But God gave me the strength to overcome a lion and overcome a bear. So how different is this guy to that situation? If God can do that to the bear and he can do that to the lion, He's going to do the same thing here. So God uses experience in our path. If God did that for that person, if God did it for that person over there, if God did it for me in my past, yes, this might be a little bit different, but if He did it then, He's going to do it now. If He did it for that person, He's going to do it for me. 
use the experience that God has poured out in your life. And that's what David did. He's coming from this place. I remember when I was hungry, I had no food in the freezer, God provided. I remember when I was out there when no one cared about me, but God brought me to a large place, a safe place. I'm in this place because God redeemed me. He saved me. If he did it then, he's going to do it again. He's not a God that fails. He's a God that's well capable. The only thing that God cannot do is fail. That is the only thing he cannot do. He can't fail. So wherever you are in your life, in your circumstance, let's begin to shift. Shift that perspective to where God wants us to be. And you will see your mindset, your world, and your life will change. Let's stand. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.